0: Hey there, welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about technology, people and culture. I'm Matt Ryan, digital marketing strategist, and with me as always is Curtis Selleck, finance consultant and Stan fan. On this episode, we'll be talking about Netflix, taxes and the Netflix tax. So Matt, what do you think about the Netflix tax? (laughs) You know, generally generally I'm in favour of taxes. Um, uh, They help make the world go around, they do really positive things, Um, but sometimes I really struggle to understand the point of them. Um, uh, I'm fascinated by um, sort of uh, recent developments in um, sort of Australian sort of finance sectors and, and particularly um, in terms of the government uh, implementing um, what they're calling a Netflix tax, which is a, a bit of a shorthand for um, putting a 10% surcharge on any goods or any sort of digital services that are uh, purchased um, uh, internationally even though yep. you're in Australia. Yep. Um, I think a really interesting, um, uh, I think, perspective on sort of where we are as a, I suppose, an emerging economy, um, uh, and sort of, the, I suppose, increasingly the role that the internet is playing in, in uh, how we experience the world. Well, I think uh, with globalisation,
1: obviously, that happened before the internet, right? But it's it's only been accelerated by the internet, and so digital products, it, it's a, a matter of time before governments utilise that power to tax. Um, I think I was watching uh, something recently around the Netflix tax and how um, you know it's it's a, it's not a, it's a consumer tax so it's not a tax on uh, on companies but it's it's passed on to us so we're the ones that wear the brunt of it but when you think about it as Netflix I mean Netflix or any other digital product um, you know what's ten percent on a dollar, like on twelve dollars so I'm happy to pay that opposed to like I see the I, I see the downside of the tax being a friction so it's 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 you know but additional it's cost is additional cost exactly but um but you know when I do it I'm comparing so I'm saying for that same product which you know is your Foxtel or what was Optus I'm not sure what that is now or if it's just Foxtel that dominates yep. the market um you know you you your alternative is still much more expensive so you're not crowding anybody out by including the tax in your costs so really instead of Netflix
0: setting tax that's passed straight on to the consumer I think um it's probably important also to consider sort of uh, you know the Netflix example. I think is a really interesting one in that it's, it's a sort of easily accessible, good and service yep. that you know um, is relatively cheap. So a ten percent increase on, on you know sort of a twelve dollars subscription is not really gonna I suppose make or break um, people's uh, experiences of that product. Mm. But what I'm particularly interested in is where you start looking at um, uh, I suppose goods and services and software services particularly. Okay. If you start looking at something like um, your sort of Adobe Photoshop package, which is you know sort of uh, seven eight hundred dollars um, uh, a year. Uh, that you pay a yearly subscription to. Yeah, uh, fascinating where, you know, if you start adding sort of 10% on top of that um, as sort of uh, any kind of, uh, you know, fee, it makes it suddenly sort of um, more precariously priced. I think also because... um, uh, I think also there's such a price discrepancy between purchasing um, things in Australia versus um, uh, overseas yeah so I think that you know when you start looking at some services if you buy a product uh, in Australia that's sold from overseas you can actually get it cheaper if you buy it from the overseas version mm. um, and I think that's true with a lot of iTunes sort of iTunes music and a lot of sort of uh, uh, if you're buying movies and then sort of soundtracks or, or anything like that and so when you are in Australia buying this international product um, you know the government hasn't necessarily gotten that Kind of revenue before, but if you are buying it internationally and it's based overseas and it's just coming into Australia, um, you know that's sort of a really interesting kind of challenge. Is you know what right does the government have to be taxing you on something that's happening sort of outside their borders? Wouldn't you be already paying um, taxes on sort of American or UK or you know European sort of uh, technology?
1: But as um as I think we might have discussed before, if you um, when I bought goods in America, like in a shop, the weirdest experience is aside from tipping. Um, the weirdest experience is you buy like a candy bar and you go to pay and you have the exact seventeen percent um, sales tax. But, but on top. it's like some. It's like no, it's not that amount. And so you're like, as an Australian over there, I was rifling through my wallet to get change because I'm, you know, in a cashless society in Australia. But no other sort of continent is really adapted to that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's still very much cash, and um, and so you know, I'd be breaking notes all the time because I just wouldn't under, I didn't never. You
0: wouldn't understand Got- the denominations, or the sort of, you know, how to no, how break this down um, yeah. in order to make the make the transaction. Yeah,
1: but I think it's you make a really good point around um, purchasing uh, in, say, the UK or in um, in the US. So these are companies that are selling in an Australian market as an Australian brand, so Netflix Australia or you know Amazon Australia or whatever it is. Um, but if but if you were to consume it. Uh, I know in the very early stages of Netflix, when you got it, if, if the American version had a plethora more of um, of service yep. to provide, uh, and you were buying it in American dollars. so it came in and then they introduced it into Australia and they watered it down. and you know it it, it, it becomes sort of a phantom version of itself, maybe based on the the market. And so I think that that's an interesting uh, it, it changes the dynamic on how the product and service is offered in Australia. When I could consume it in America, and it seems like there's much more benefit
0: to doing that. Well, I think what's uh, Netflix is really the best in most of these kinds of examples, um, because you know it's sort of the the worst because it's so cheap, and so the pricing increase doesn't really make uh, a difference. Yeah. But um, it is also the best in that you know sort of its service offering has really changed in sort of the two years since its uh, launch. Yep. So originally, it only launched with you know sort of a couple of thousand. Uh, Options for for streaming, but it steadily increased its service. I think what's interesting is that, um, you know, Netflix as an organisation has really leveraged off the fact that, well, it's growing and building and becoming better. uh, So they're also sort of um, lumping in an extra price increase on top of that as well. So when you see, um, so your Netflix is not going up by, you know, sort of just the 10%, they're also sort of factoring in um, additional charges on top of that um, to pay for their content, uh, which I think is interesting where uh, with Netflix at the rate that it's expanding um, and the rate that it's adding new shows and new content, uh, you know, there's got to be this sweet spot for it where, you know, the they need to increase the price of... The subscription, but at the same time, they are, it's really interesting that they've chosen this point in the market to actually leap out and, and make that increase. Mm. I don't think Australians would be sort of as receptive to it without the sort of government, um, uh, you know, sort of tax rolling through and keeping them you know, sort of keeping it uh, intended with that. I think the service offering, though, is
1: is so simple, right? Like, we're used to, uh, you buy Foxtel, and then Foxtel had to rebrand, not because of Netflix, but because of the price. So you'd have, Foxtel was a cable service, you yep. know, what they use in America. Um, so you'd pay $200 a month, and you could have access to... Uh, it's, more than, it's you, than the you hardware can versus software sort of experience. A little bit, and and then I know they peel that back to being you've got your basic, and then you add stuff on, and like yeah. I really like the idea of tiered pricing, but again, you've got Stan, Netflix, Amazon, like Hulu, I think is one like all uh, simplified models. You you pay this bracket within, yeah, exactly, and and you consume it your leisure, not you know Foxtel has got smarter, and 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 those other those other sorts of providers. What's well, the but... difference
0: between a streaming service and a cable provider? And I think yeah. Foxtel in Australia particularly is trying to have it both ways, um, particularly when they have, I suppose, content that they've got exclusive rights to, like your Game of Thrones and sort of a lot of your HBO yeah. content, yeah. Yeah, like where that. they um, uh, will allow you to stream it at any time, but they also um, sort of dole it out in their own time um, on their own channels. But uh, paying for a Foxtel subscription does not get you the access to any show that you want in their sort of um, catalogue, mm. uh, which you know I think is a really yeah, sort of interesting um, experience as well. What I'm interested to hear your thoughts on then is... Do you think that this allows Australian uh, competitor, like Australian companies, to be competitive? You know, as I made the joke earlier that you know you you've got a stand subscription, um, and you know, and, and you know, a joke. Well, I think that that's um, I think that's enough of a joke by itself, um, particularly once you sort of um, uh, start outlining your your reasons for it. Yeah. But um, what what I want to really get a sense from you then is how do you think this is going to affect your market, or how do you think this is going to affect um, the sort of uh, Australian companies? ability to compete because really that's the only reason you do it but if but if uh, an australian was exporting to america
1: i would say that a tax would apply like no no um there'd be no sort of exclusion so i feel like the the market's not crowded out if you're already in australia you're paying the gst mm-hmm. so if anything it makes it more of a level playing field um but there's not really i mean stan obviously <laughs> obviously <laughs>
0: It's a, prov- a provider, but see, I love that. My favourite part is the shame in your voice when you try and mount a defensive stand. Um, and the experience, um, Stan, if you're listening, please um come talk to me. i um, I've got I've got thoughts.
1: What uh, there was another uh, uh I want to say Stan like um provider. What was it was, was like
0: QuickBuy or something like no, that. No, no, came no. For a
1: while. Oh, I can't remember it now. But I, they shut down earlier in the year, yeah. so it was like you know we're out of business. Um, last last take will be in in uh, in January, and I, I remember QuickLists no nah, it, nah, simil- it was blue uh, no nah. nah, anyway um but uh but but again Boy, Austra-
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um australian based and and so they did a really big drive at the end of the um the end of the calendar year last year for subscribers to you know, show to the market that there there is a demand there. But it was already saturated by um, by Netflix and then you've got a better offering from, say, Stan as well. And so they, they, they're gone now. And so I think that in terms of Australian companies, there's definitely an op- opportunity there. But I think it just makes it a little bit more competitive when Netflix has to pay GST. Well,
0: I think uh, my understanding of the way that the tax structures are set up for um, goods and services in Australia is that if you're a... Um, a you're a consumer and you're purchasing goods under a thousand dollars you don't have to pay the gst on importing those goods in um and you know the government has really expressed uh i suppose a willingness to drop that figure down yeah um i'd be interested then you know how does that affect the way that we shop online you know because i think that a 10 percent um, price increase on top of the um, sort of fairly famous fluctuations of the u.s dollar um, particularly, I think you know, given the relative global instability at the moment, mm. uh, you know that's really going to, I think, put um, a lot, I suppose, price people out of the market for online shopping in a lot of ways. And you know, when you start looking at some of your, you know, Amazon competitors, and or particularly before Amazon launches in Australia, which we've talked about before, I think that puts it in a really interesting position to, I suppose, have that challenge of, you know. You've got uh, people buying um, overseas, but Australian companies don't seem willing to meet those price points. Um, and, you know, with the disruption... That's right? Well, uh, certainly, it? but I mean, particularly, when, you know, we start thinking about, um, uh, I want to say, like, books, consumer electronics, um, uh, a lot of sort of white goods, cars particularly and things like that. Hmm. Uh, I don't know too many sort of people who buy cars online, but certainly I think that, you know, when you're looking at goods and services above a certain uh, price bracket... Yeah. Um, and below a certain price bracket, there's a lot of fluctuation in the market. You know, a lot of your cheap sort of um, uh, Asian-made technologies, I think, are really cheap if you buy them directly from the source, you know, via eBay or Alibaba or something like that. Um, and just as, as similarly, you know, a lot of the white goods that you can purchase, like I don't know, microwaves, fridges and things like that, you can purchase online. You can purchase um, a lot cheaper if you buy internationally and have them shipped to Australia. Mm. So I think there's a real challenge there for the market to, unders- or for the government, I suppose, when they start rolling this tax out, is where do they price? That to start gaining more of a foothold. I think it would be a mistake for them to be, uh, I suppose, going too far below, say, the $500 mark. Um, where you know, I think that that's when you start to really start to see price disruptions to people buying goods and services, um, you know, sort of uh, on that impulse purchase. Yeah. Um, and I would say that you know, without um, having any data in front of me, a lot of those impulse purchases will be a lot of where discretionary spending is made and where a lot. Ten kind percent's of... a big swing as well. Mm, well. I think particularly, you know, we said that Netflix. Ten um, percent seems, um, you know, uh, not much when it's ten dollars, but when it's say two, three, four hundred dollars, you know, that's where you really start seeing the impact on them. Um, and that starts, I suppose, um, altering price points in a way that I think will be really interesting for like consumer goods to bear,
1: and and especially with um uh, what is seemingly a free market. I mean, if you're a consumer good from overseas, and then you know you get a bill, like an, I know once or twice, um, back in the day when I purchased stuff on eBay from overseas and it's over a thousand dollars, they say, oh, we'll pay an extra amount for GST, and we'll you know, we'll put the declaration in for customs yeah. and whatever else needs to happen, um, and sometimes that uh, shop is not told me to do that and I'm not paid and then it's been held up and it's a whole ordeal but I think it just it creates more work for the government when a tax is meant to be an equitable thing Um, so if they have more work and there's more drain on you know those tax funds um it, it becomes redundant. So like the lower you drop it, the more effort you have to do to be yep. diligent about like charging five dollars on a five hundred you know, on a fifty dollar bill. Like, yeah, there's, the a, hell? Real, there's like, a real there's
0: a real sweet know. spot there that I think is really gonna be a really interesting balance for them to be strike to yeah. strike moving forward. Yeah. Uh, and ultimately I think that it's going to I think really impact people's ability to shop or I think particularly with, I suppose, a lot of um, uh, downward pressure on um, uh, people's wages and things like that, um, adding tax where tax that hasn't necessarily been applied previously I think will be a really interesting challenge for them Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how do people interact with their online shopping or, you know, what is really the future of online shopping look like in Australia especially when you've got a competitor like amazon who i Come think on. will be willing to shave a lot of um points off their um sort of profit in order to get the sale yeah and that they that, you know, sure. that, that's really their uh that's really their sort of uh, operating space and that's why you know they haven't turned a profit in 15 years but yeah they're still the most valuable company in the world
1: but do you think that um it's it's all about market share so like they, like, minus the GST and, and, and just talking quickly about Amazon, but coming into Australia, you know, it's a, it, I, I try to buy stuff all the time and then I go to the US one and it says you can't ship to Australia. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, I've just given up on that. Like, I've not found a way around it or used a forwarding service like I've done in the past. Because it's all... Additional cost, and so whether that's a five dollar friction, a ten dollar friction for postage, why yep. would I want to pay now GST at the at the till or the counter whenever I'm going to pay yep. for the good? And it just uh it, it I think it the the tax would be good if that money is some sort of rerouted into some sort of innovation or um, yeah exactly put, I was going to say what's the
0: benefit of this tax ultimately yeah um and you know sort of uh, is that going towards innovation or is that going towards I think um. I'd be really interested if it was going towards, um, you know, sustainable distribution models. Mm. That'd be really interesting.
1: But if and, but if you're going by digital, there's you know, like I would want to see innovation in pumping goods out to other continents, yeah. whether that is you know Europe or the UK or South America or South Africa, wherever it is. But to get Australia's goods out, um, because then that way it's sort of it, you know, it's it's globalization because it's going both ways and and I suppose that
0: that, I think that's really interesting but one of the uh, challenges I suppose is always going to be what they call like the tyranny of distance in that we're an island in the middle of nowhere um, and and sort of pushing things out from there has a greater cost than bringing things here Mm. and that's always been sort of where the price points really do seem to fluctuate you know the cost of moving a car here is not the same as moving like a you know an iPhone charger, and so you know if we're trying to find ways to sort of bulk export as well, um, you know you don't really want that tax going to be subsidising just the export. No, no, no. And I think that's going to be that's going to be an interesting challenge for the um, for I suppose whatever government at the time really has to uh, navigate.
1: And. Uh... I'll just I mean I'll sidebar. So Yeah, I love the If you want to talk about it we can uh, we can I can delete this section and then we can come back to it. Yeah. But um
0: I was running out of things to say. <coughs>
1: no. Well so you like speaking of keeping things on shore and, and um, you know, innovation onshore, one thing that interested me this week was uh, Tesla's I was gonna say, surely uh, that's gonna be your the thing that you were
0: most excited
1: about. No, no, I I've got something a little bit a little bit more handy. But um yeah, it was it was it was Elon Musk sort of you know winning his bid or whatever. I feel like that was a lot of media hype because um, the South Australian government originally said uh, no, we don't want your help, and he's like, well, if I can't do it in a hundred days, then okay. I'll do free. I think the challenge um, is the we went is through the the thing tender
0: the tender process. Like, hundred well, no. days or is it free for government <laughs> infrastructure projects is pretty <laughs> compelling. <laughs>
1: Um, so we don't have to pay for it. Um, you know, they'll, like, stall at the 99th day and then, oh, 101, you know, hook yeah, it up. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like it's probably too efficient. Um, but, but that that in itself, uh, you know, that'll put that'll give a lot of light to South Australia for a little bit where I think, um, you know, it's, it's just an interesting space. So side viruses. Well, uh, you
0: know, I think we could uh, talk, I suppose, more about sort of how that's going to transform the, the technology. But say, like, uh, South Australia's a really interesting example of somewhere where... Um, there's, uh, I suppose, because it is relatively um, in the middle of nowhere um, compared to I think a lot of eastern seaboard. Mm. Um, you know, no wonder it really struggles with that kind of power or that kind of um, uh, those challenges there, where they don't they're really sort of isolated. They can't draw on other resources from anywhere else. Yeah, and I think that kind of um, uh, that level of innovation, um, I think will be used to be upsold to cities everywhere. Uh, and I certainly, um, I certainly would hope that there's some um, element of any kind of like digital tax being applied to the innovation that we want to have. Uh, you know, particularly that kind of uh, level and excitement.
1: But if you're bringing in um, like a massive battery, or say um, Elon Musk is like contracting out his work, right? Mm. So, are we is there GST on him putting his labour and conceptual ideas?
0: and Is he a foreign entity, it? and we're it, purchasing, it, it, purchasing it, it, his goods and services. You know
1: what I mean? Then so well, I, I don't believe the government ten percent on that.
0: I don't yeah. actually believe the government does pay any GST at all for any of the services that they pay for.
1: Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, unfortunately, to bring this kind of full circle, yeah, not really a lot of opportunity, unfortunately. No, no, sadly. Okay, well, that was a good sidebar. Yeah, it was good. I feel, <laughs> I feel like we learned a lot.
1: So, so in terms of um, and one one other aspect that I wanted to get your opinion on that was uh, with the the GST for for digital products. <clears throat> And from uh, from overseas markets was maybe the impact on small business here. So when you're talking about earlier, um, you know Photoshop being eight hundred dollars plus um, GST. You know if you're buying it digitally from say America or the UK, because that's that's what is changing. Um, you know, it, it, as a new photographer, you need to acquire this software. So. And create so much more friction into the market. Well, I, in the
0: startup space, certainly. I think that yeah. um, one of the things that um, uh, <coughs> we find is that um, uh, I suppose businesses everywhere struggle in the first couple of years, um, and I think that particularly um, when uh, businesses are so small that they um, are really only purchasing consumer products in order to, um, you know, start their businesses, yeah. I think that's going to be a real challenge for sort of businesses under the sort of five, six-person mark where, you know, cost is everything um, and sort of needing access to some of these services and technologies just going to create further barriers to entry, and I think that that's going to be a real challenge moving forward. Um, is how do you uh, again? This is all about balance. Yeah. Um, and you know, sort of the fact that it's, um, uh, it's been applied and whether it has gives it sort of a, a level of sort of um, an arbitrary feeling. The fact that it's sort of a blanket, um, you know, sort of consumer cost. Uh, means that, you know, I think there's going to be like a lot of challenges for people who are trying to bridge the gap between sort of personal and business. Business, And particularly, you know, you think about like a bursting like Etsy market or something like that where people, you know, may not have like an ABN or may not have sort of um, any kind of business registration and yet suddenly um uh they're sort of um the products that they rely on in order to you know make their goods, services whatever um is suddenly sort of um significantly Sli- harder
1: yeah but i think uh, and and what i'd like to see is maybe more uh, education so mm-hmm. that that money going back into you know some sort of infrastructure to educate small business owners or, or even you know they're kind of like low market. level innovator yeah yeah cuz it it still those small ideas can be massive ones or it's all about stimulating uh, innovation. I well, think you just want stage. to smother
0: those ideas off the, the back, you know, for the sake of sort of 10% of um, $800. Yeah. Which I think is sort of, you know, where we sort of get these like uh, edge cases that are really challenging and, and potentially sort of upsetting mm. uh, for people where, you know, I think small businesses struggle enough um, that they would need to struggle even further is a uh, is an interesting challenge. Mm. All right, awesome. Um, so uh, we've given our thoughts on the Netflix tax. Um, we'd really love to hear anything that you've got to say. Um, have you been stung by the uh, have you been stung by paying this sort of extra couple of dollars for Netflix and is that really going to help you sort of make a better decision about what products you're going to use? Are you going to buy local? are you going to keep buying international or are you just going to weigh the cost?
1: And I'll, I would love to hear about all the stand users out there and, uh, and get some support uh, for stand.
0: Uh, Is there any point in watching a high-definition television show that was not made for high-depth? Asking for the audience. (laughs) This this argument can go for another whole podcast. Um, So we'll circle
1: back around that. Um, So we'll, we'll be back in just a second. Stay with us.
0: Hey, we're back with Mission Critical. I'm Matt, and I'm Curtis. Hey, Curtis, what are you excited <laughs> about this week? Um,
1: so yeah, so Tesla was on the on the mark, but I think I uh, the
0: first production model out this week, yeah. apparently due for Friday. Can't wait. At the time of recording, it's gonna happen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but but yeah, no, I uh, I've been I've been digging into some drones this week. So okay. I don't I don't know what um, has really piqued my interest on it. I think uh, drone
0: racing.
1: Well, I haven't even watched that much, but I, uh, just the scenic shots from drones. And so I'm, I've been looking at a lot of uh, high-end gear, um, the Mavic Pro, yeah. um, the G, uh, the DJI. Um, and th- these were all like, you know, thousands of dollars, but just to fly a drone. So I think uh, years ago, my mother bought me one from National Geographic and yeah. uh, I think it just that sat that's on my Tracy. desk. Yeah, that's, that's what's up, mum. But that just, uh, just sat on my desk and when I felt like turning it on I would fly it for about 6 minutes and then it would die and well, it... is
0: that do you think that's more about the limitation of the technology at the time how long were oh, you we thinking
1: oh no like I don't know, when i was
0: <laughs> seven about seven years ago. Yeah, cool. Okay, <laughs> so they're not really they're not really talking about the caliber at the moment. Oh
1: no, really. absolutely not. And I think that's the beauty of the technology today. It's it's there's uh, a, again low barriers to entry. So a, acquiring a drone, um, doing a little bit of research, um,
0: which is uh, a standard consumer product at this stage.
1: Yeah, and it, and it, it it's so easy to get into the market. Mm. And so um, the the technology looks good whereas i remember the control for this this device that i had it uh it looked like sort of a ripoff or like of a normal remote control it just was like like an old rc controller yeah it was it was it was you know dated for even when it was purchased and you know to actually steer it it was it was an awkward dynamic so um yeah i think I, i got hooked on some drone videos uh on youtube um watching a couple of my you know favorite youtubers and uh and so i think this week of i'm going to make an investment in a drone and so similar to what we were saying earlier i went to purchase one off amazon yeah. and this bloody drone you can't buy it outside of the us it's, you know it's it's a 80 dollar drone or something but it's got a you know a, a, a mid-range camera um, good fly time good speed you know good controls all that sort of stuff but no, no market outside of australia like
0: and do you think that's because there's uh, competing technologies, or that you know the, oh, the the shipping of that kind of technology is maybe um, not licensed in Australia? Like, what's the barrier here for you? Well, I
1: assu- I assume it's uh, it, it it's just that it's easier to sell it in a much larger market in yep. America. So why would we export? Well, it if uh, that's potentially one? like
0: more of an unregulated marketplace as well. Yeah,
1: potentially. I mean, they uh, they recommend in America now when you buy a drone, you register it. Yep. Um, because there's lots of issues and legalities around that so if you acquire one you can go onto a website it's a it's a government-run thing and you just type in the serial number and it's you know thanks for registering curse no. and and it's like a like a small license to fly it but um but yeah this this particular you can't get outside of uh of america and i can't sort of see any australian companies that that replicate it you know yeah. you can buy so you you recognized high-end brand but not that small piddly you know I just want to fly it, smash it into a, like a tree, and you know, not worry that I've my investments uh, gone to nothing in in the matter of one test because I'm just overly. Well, keen. thank
0: God Amazon stepping in and stopping you from doing that. Yeah,
1: but, <laughs> but um, but so yeah. That's... Are you going to find
0: a, a locally
1: sourced Australian alternative? Uh, watch this space I'll, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get Hopefully I'll be getting One to fly in, uh, in In one of the future Podcasts And we can do some Recording whilst we're Okay that
0: sounds yeah, good That'll be cool 360
1: And uh, what's what's Ticking your boxes This week mate? Uh,
0: uh, A couple of things Um uh, oh, a couple Yeah always Ooh. Always a couple um, So uh, speaking of Netflix A um, uh, recent Netflix show That I really enjoyed uh, Was Glow um, uh, Which uh, It's got a good First episode Yeah um, Have you Have you seen Beyond <laughs> the first episode I haven't seen Beyond
1: the past Like the first 20 minutes
0: Um, Well, I think they only go for 20 (laughs) minutes at a time, um, but they, uh, you know, I think a show that um, uh, really takes a little bit of time to get going, but once it does, it really finds a niche. It does. Um, And I think that, um, uh, you know, if your niche um, is uh, wrestling or Alison Brie, it should uh, should become uh, apparent to you fairly early on. Soft cheese. Yeah, but uh, I think a really interesting kind of um, uh, show, and I think... What I really liked about it is that it's a, a show that was not begging to exist. Um, it's based on some fairly obscure subject matter with some fairly sort of obscure stars in it. Yep. Um, and yet, you know, sort of the great thing about Netflix and one of the reasons why I think you should continue to sort of, you know, support some of these giant sort of uh, organisations. Um. That's, oh. no. That's cool, you can come back to me. So, Glow. Glow. Um, Support some of
1: these organisations. Yeah, well,
0: I think a really interesting um, use case in terms of uh, Netflix as a content creator by itself investing in sort of, you know, strange, esoteric, uh, you know, sort of almost universes um, and giving um, creators licence to be able to go out and sort of have adventures in that space. I think a really interesting example um, then of, you know, you think about like the long-tail approach and the nicheification of uh, every piece of content um, and, you know, if there's a piece of content out there for everyone and you just have to find it, I think it's interesting the way that uh, Netflix keeps throwing sort of darts at the wall to see what will stick.
1: I I, I love that. I think um, that's R&D for any other company. You know, yep. you're really sticking to your brand and you're sticking to what you know as content creators. And so you're, you're taking a risk. And I think, um, you know, Stranger Things is probably the, the, the top yeah, of my but, mind is this show that came from ah oh, you know there's, I'll watch this
0: today and it exploded overnight yeah. and it is massive you know it's and, uh, yeah I think that's that's sort of the perfect sort of um, uh, use case for that kind of content where you know it doesn't necessarily have a home or wasn't something that people were really begging for this yeah. sort of like um, you know E.T. T eighty Stephen King <laughs> kind of environment um, that really I think, you know, when you take a deep dive into that, like, it makes perfect sense um, that people would love that, and yet, you know, there's an element of creativity there where people are, you know, being really ambitious and adventurous in pushing that and sort of making that available in the wider world, and you wouldn't necessarily expect that um, from, you know, a lot more, a lot of others, but less adventurous commercial organisations. Yep. Um, you know, so uh, big up to Netflix for you know that kind of thing. I think a really interesting show, and I think a show that really gets more enjoyable the further you get in. I think particularly one that you know once they get some of their sort of plot set up out of the way, really gets to enjoy and spend time with sort of you know a really diverse, interesting group of characters. Um, that I really enjoyed.
1: Uh, Stan does billions.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, you know, speaking of diversity, and you know, um, you know, compelling characters. Um, you know, I haven't seen it, but I hear, I hear things. Paul um, Giamatti. I've, yeah. I've
1: I've not seen it either, but
0: you know, but you have Stan, so you could watch it if you wanted to. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know why you would, but there you go. Um, and what, you, what else is exciting about um, you? Uh, you know, as always, another book, uh, another week, Ooh. another book. Um, uh, so I'm halfway through um, a book called Born by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, now, he wrote, uh, I think, a really interesting sort of um, trilogy of novels a couple of years ago. Supremacy? Uh, Ultimatum? No. no. don't um, diff- Different, so it's spelled differently. Um, oh, Ludlum, baby Bjorn. Jeff Vandermore, you know, Robert Ludlum, different people, but you know, sort of same content. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I, he's sort of having a bit of a moment in, um, in the last couple of months, um, publication of this new book that seems to be really well received um, yep. and his, um. First book has been uh, adapted into a film that's coming out at the end of the year, starring yeah. like Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac, um, which you know I think will be really interesting. Um, he has a very much that kind of um, uh, you know you'll be excited to hear. this a bit of that lost vibe, um, where you know sort of a, a really interesting world um, and a world that you want to spend a lot of time in. Um, and I think that um, uh, you know his previous works I've really enjoyed. Even though I found them immensely frustrating, but this one um, I'm halfway through, but it has a reputation so far as being incredibly satisfying, um, sort of uh, ending. Unlike Lost. Unlike Lost, um, <laughs> uh, and so it's interesting that um, uh, he in- envisions this world that I think is so compelling and so sort of vividly detailed that I've never really seen or read or heard of anything before, uh, and I think that you know sort of there's a, a really unique experience there to be had. Um, you know the the book itself um, doesn't sound particularly compelling in that um, uh, it sort of pictures a world sort of twenty years in the future where genetic mutation has sort of spiralled out of control. That um, most people that we think of as people aren't really people anymore because they've been so sort of aggressively modded. Um... Ba-na-na-na-na.
1: <laughs> X Men.
0: No, nah, not really. Ah, oh,
1: okay. A more, um,
0: uh, you yeah, know, I didn't even realise, I thought you were singing <laughs> a banana song then. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so people are so aggressively mod- modded and combined with sort of, um, animals and insects and, um, you know, even sort of like, uh, vegetables and proteins, um, yeah. in order to sort of stimulate who they are. Um, and so the, um, uh, the main character is a sort of a woman who feels like she's losing her humanity in this kind of, um, future world um, and she comes across a uh, sort of life form that seems to combine every kind of life form at once and sort of seems to be imbued with the abilities or the um, kind of um, uh, personalities or perspectives or sort of uh, it's kind of it's both specific and amorphous at the same time yeah, cool. um, it's really interesting and sort of um, uh, a bit of a, uh, a head trip so uh, born by Jeff Vandermeer really enjoying it uh, we'll report back about how satisfying the ending is yeah. in a future episode thanks Matty uh, you'll find links to some of the things we talked about today on our website, missioncriticalpodcast.com. Drop us a line at mission critical, mission critical at missioncriticalpodcastgmail.com or hit us up at our Facebook page, facebook.com/slash missioncriticalpodcast. Leave us an iTunes review. Um, you know, one day there'll be a review, and one day here we are. <laughs> and we'll be reading it. Well, maybe we'll make an episode about all the reviews for like
1: the past episodes. We can backdate as well, many reviews yeah, as we well, possibly can. Or well, well, maybe just post it on all of them. Uh, uh, maybe
0: if we get reviews, we'll still keep saying that we won't we'll not, not, we'll, not. we won't have any reviews um, just to keep people baited and on the hook. Yeah. You know, if you're out just there on the with. hook, just, just fall it. for it.
1: Yeah, just get on that hook.
0: Until take next the, time. Take the wild ride. Until <laughs> next time, I'm Matt Ryan. And
1: I'm Curtis Selig
0: And take the wild ride. We'll, we'll see, see you soon. soon.